Hi, friends. Welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 334, and it's called There Was a Theater in That Barn. <laughs> you can say it like you just discovered it. There was a theater in that barn. You can say it like a mystery, like there was a theater in that barn. <laughs> you can say it with like wonder and awe. There was a theater in that barn. <laughs> Yeah, so at some point in this episode, when we get around to it, we'll take our time. I want to tell you about this barn that had a theater in it. Uh, and then I also got to tell you about this uh, thing next year that my friend Liz Gilbert and I are going to do in upstate New York. Then I got to tell you about some other things that we're doing in Ojai next year. Um, but today, let's start with today. Today, today's actually like a huge day for me. So that's that's why I'm recording this episode today, because my heart is just like, it's so full. You know that feeling when it's like overflowing? Like it, it's, it, it's gonna break, but for good reasons? Because today, my two new books are out. I know, how great is that? Two new books, you can get, them at, you can get the links are at my site, or you can just go right to Amazon. And uh, the books are my first two plays. So my first two plays, you can read them like a, like a short, they're like literally like 70 pages each. Uh, you can probably even read them in one setting. And <sighs> man, I got to take a long exhale just to enjoy it. To be putting these two books, plays that are books, plays in book form out today. Uh, man, this takes, this goes so far back to me. It's also about the future. Uh, you know those moments when, when what you're experiencing, it's about everywhere that you have been and it's everywhere that you would like to go and yet you're more in the present than you've ever been. You know what I'm talking about? There's this, yeah, whew, yeah. So uh, I want to tell you why it means so much to me. And as always... It's like we, we go far enough inside ourselves, we find everybody else. You, you look far enough inside someone else, you, you find yourself. Uh, yeah, so, so what happened? And that's generally how things start, right? So what happened? <laughs> uh, who are you? How did you get here? What are you, well, so what happened is, <laughs> right? So, uh, so what happened is I was surfing um, about a little over a year ago. And I was surfing at the place that I've surfed more than any other place. I mean, I know that place really, really well. Like I've swam it underwater. I know where all the places where the sandbar goes down, where it goes up, where it gets shallow, where it gets deep. And I'd been out for a while, I don't know, a couple hours. And uh, I was sort of, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was like just sort of drifting in but I drifted into this area that you don't want to drift into, and the waves weren't even that big, which, by the way, is all part of the story here, I realize now. Um, the waves weren't even that big, but I got, I got like, I was in the impact zone, and a set, uh, like a bigger set came through, because you have regular sets that come through, like like a group of like three or four waves, then you have a lull, then you have another set, but then sometimes you'll have a set come through that's like bigger than any of the sets that have come through, and a set came through, 
And I was just caught slightly off guard. And I'm, once again, really familiar with this place. So that alone is sort of weird to have gotten stuck in this one area. And uh, I took a wave on the head because I couldn't get out far enough to paddle up over it. And I couldn't get in. Uh, it's called the impact zone. It's when the lip of the wave, the wave stands up and it folds over and then you just take the lip on the head. And a wave is however many thousands of gallons of water. But this particular spot, and other surfers, we've talked about it, who surf this spot a lot. This spot, it's like not that big of a wave, but it's just vicious. It is just a stonking monster. This wave, even when it's not that big, it hurts um, to take because it stands up really fast on the sandbar, and then it just pile drives you. And I, uh, I took this wave on the head, and if you're not careful, and if you can't get far enough under it, because of the way the sandbar was, I couldn't get far enough under it, so you get spin-cycled, which means the wave catches you, and then it like flips you, sort of, you sort of do like a giant backflip that you're not in control of, and then you just get spin-cycled. You're now just in the circular pattern of the wave, and my board was in the wave with me. So my board just kept slamming into me. Um, and it was like, it was like just getting punched over and over by the board. And one of the, one of the punches in particular, I felt like, whoa. But I couldn't get to the surface, which sometimes happens. Because um, there's no up or down when you're spin cycled. And I imagine some of you who surf are reliving times when you've been spin cycle and you're like twitching a bit, but stay with me here. We'll get, we'll, we'll get through this together. Um, and then you try to swim up to get air because you, you don't know that you're going to be underwater for a while. So you don't have a, you don't have time to catch your breath. So you don't have breath. You didn't get enough breath, but now you like, don't know when you're going to be able to get breath because you don't know which direction to swim. And, uh, and this is a thing that's sort of the thing you is really, you want to avoid at all costs. But finally, the wave is done thrashing me, and I get to the surface to grab a breath, but the next wave is right there on top of me. And uh, right there where the current is, the way the wave works, you can't really swim against it. You can't swim. You just... So I took the second wave. I got like a... Like that. Like a incredibly short breath, and then I took the next wave, and then I got to the surface after being thrashed by that one, and then took the next one. It's like a three-wave beatdown. I think that's the best word for it. And uh, the fin of my board sliced open my uh, the front, like my ri where my ribs are. It just sliced. It cut my wetsuit open, and then it cut my skin open. So I had like, to this, it's still there, like, whatever, 14 months later, like about a six or eight inch gash uh, across my rib cage. And it was also, and I was out of breath and it was, um, out of breath isn't the word. Uh, you're just, man, I don't mean to make this, uh, am I making this sound too dramatic? No, I'm actually not making this sound too dramatic. That's what it feels like. Just like you're just like a rag towel. And I eventually got in to shore and there was a surf instructor who was pushing a young girl, maybe like seven or eight years old, <laughs> into these little waves. And I sort of ended up on all fours in about a foot or two feet of water trying to like get my equilibrium and get my breath back. And I was in so much 
pain and I have this big gash on my front. And I just remember looking up and this girl is just looking at me like, what, what is your deal, dude? <laughs> and another surfer who was wearing a helmet said, are you okay? Because he watched the beat down. Um, but because it was not that huge of a day, the waves, not that even that large, um, because it's the place I'm more familiar with than any other place, to be caught in the wrong place, it was like pain mixed with humiliation, <laughs> mixed with the confusion of this thing that I love to do, causing me a great deal of, uh, what's the word? There's an element of terror when you can't get your breath, and then when you can't get your breath again, when you can't get your breath again, um, and it takes the body, like in my experience, a couple times this has happened to me, it takes the body months to sort of, because uh, your body goes into this survival mode. Um, and then it's like almost like later, the body's like, okay, I got you through that, but now I got to like process this. So to this day, every once in a while, uh, in the middle of the night, I'll have like a shudder and it will be, it's like the body, because the body knows, the body keeps score. It's like the body's still working through uh, that that experience um but it was this interesting thing where i'm i'm literally down on all fours in like a foot of water just trying <laughs> trying to like get my breath and sort of get my mojo to stand up and <laughs> get out of the ocean but it was it was this very powerful feeling like the ocean uh, it was like the ocean talking to me. And those of you, I don't know, those of you who, uh, you know, you're lined up with the planets. You, you talk to nature, nature talks, you know what I'm talking about. I know a number of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When the whole thing's talking to you. And uh, it was like it was talking to me. God, how would I describe this? Sometimes a crash is just a crash, and sometimes a crash is way more than a crash. Sometimes an accident, sometimes a gesture, sometimes a comment somebody makes is just a comment, but it's way more than a comment. It's that thing that happens when you have an experience, and the experience, it's like it's telling you, I'm more than just what I appear to be. Sometimes this is like a really amazing thing. You're, you're, you're with your love, and you go to the grocery store, and you're just in the grocery store discussing what you're gonna make for dinner that night, but somehow it's something more. It's so mundane, but it's actually like as wide as the universe, the, the depth, the moment. Sometimes uh, kids, of course, it's like they just said this to you or you just watched them do this, and yet it's like, oh God, what do you even say? It's like as deep as the ocean and wide as the universe. It's, the, it's that feeling when you're having an experience in space and time, and it's a very specific, particular experience, and yet it's speaking to you of greater depths and dimensions and densities of your life. And sometimes that's, that's like, all it's all good. You're at the table with the people you love and something with you say, ah, oh, this is what it's all about. And it's just a meal with people you love, and yet it's some sort of a celebration of being here at its most existential basic level. And then other times it's something like, God, you just got a three-wave beat down and you're on all fours in the shallow water, like trying to, do I, 
like you're sort of gasping for breath and your chest is like, God, it's like collapsed in on itself. And you know, this is, this wasn't just, ah, I just drifted into this little area that you got to avoid. And right near Tower 22, there's that one spot where if you, you get out of, you just get in the wrong place, you can get pretty wrecked by that wave. It's, it wasn't just a basic sort of, oh yeah, you just got to be careful, dude, if you snooze at this place, you're in trouble. That it was some larger, I don't know what you call it. God, it sounds so, sounds so cheese, right? Or cliche to be like, it was a wake-up call, man. But sometimes it is a wake-up call, right? Like some of the phrases that we use, uh, they're so like, oh, please. But they're also like, exactly, <laughs> exactly perfect. Some cliches exist for a reason because they're awesome and accurate and helpful. Uh, they help you articulate what just happened. So I, I like drive home. I probably, honestly, I probably got a, a bit of a concussion as well. Because I remember driving home thinking, I got like a little buzz going here. Like I, I was, maybe it was shock, but probably also just, uh, oh God, I'm, I'm going to say this. Okay, I'm just going to say this. I probably got my bell rung a little. Because <laughs> I mean, later that day, I was a little like, woo, um, just a little floaty. Um, yeah. But it, uh, it stayed with me. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that, because um, we're making this episode up as we go along in the sense of like trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure it out. And that's, that's actually part of talking about it and processing it. Even me telling you about that experience and making an episode about it is you're talking about it, in this case, literally making an episode, but also... You're, pro you're processing it and finding new dimensions of it. Perhaps you've had the same experience. You're like, why do I keep thinking about that? And sometimes what we do is we are harsh with ourselves. Like, move on, man. I don't do nostalgia. What am I, stuck in the past? No, you're not stuck in the past. Something about that event is still speaking to you. So, as opposed to like, being harsh with yourself, like, why do I keep thinking about that? Um, it may not be because you're stuck in the past. It may not be because you can't move on. It may be because, well, obviously, we know that time is nonlinear and events don't even really exist in any sort of, I mean, they, they appear to exist in a linear form. But uh, uh, often what happens is, yeah, the event still has things to teach us. It, or perhaps you've had something that happened to you and it comes around every few months or every few years and all of a sudden it's like right there in front of you. It's like right on your dashboard and you're like, I thought I dealt with this years ago. Uh, perhaps it's a bit of a spiral. It's come back around because it has new things to teach you. That's actually an important framing. When you find something that, that keeps coming around, as opposed to trying to bury it or push it away or I moved on, um, Tell yourself a different story about it and see what happens. Oh, apparently he has more gifts to give me and watch what happens. Because that's what happened with this. I, my, I was like literally healing like this large scar. Um, and I was just like for days, it had like a uh, car accident sort of like stiffness and soreness. But also the event it's, it itself, it's like it just kept coming around. It was like the ocean going, hey, 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 slow down here. Listen, <laughs> listen. Uh, that feeling like something is asking you to listen, but you don't even you don't even know what direction to look in. So uh, I got really quiet. 
and I just sat with, it was like a physical pain. So it even hurt kind of to move. So I was fine just sitting. But also um, I became hyper aware of numbing devices. All of the ways uh, I reach, we reach for the phone, for the, uh, whatever, you, you know, all that stuff. Buy things, food, talk, call somebody, all the stuff that we, that we do when you have like those wide open spaces that don't have any st stimulant within them. But I, I became hyper aware of, of the desire to reach for those, to not have to just sit. But uh, I was like, oh, don't, don't, no. Mm -mm. It was uh, almost like enough pain that it slowed me down to just be like, okay, what is this? What is this? It was a, that was like a beat down, but it was more than a beat down. It was something else. Um, and it, uh, it just kept coming. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh no, we're going to do some, <laughs> hey, hey, Robbie Bell, we're going to do some work here. <laughs> and I was at the time working on a couple of things and a couple projects that, uh, you know, like Rob Bell stuff. Um, that Rob, oh, here we go. That Rob Bell stuff. <laughs> the Rob Bell from 14 months ago. Um, and I, I distinctly remember having this moment of like, oh, I don't want to do those things. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Ugh. Like things that I would have told you days earlier. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Uh, this is what I got going on. This is what I'm, I'm going to work on this. It should be ready then. I'm going to put it out. I'm going to tell people on the Robcast about it. We're going to go here. We're going to make this. But it was like this very distinct, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, I don't, those things. Those, mm-mm. Nope. I remember opening up my laptop and deleting the files. Like just deleting whatever it was I was working on. Like, nope, gone, gone. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who have had that experience, you know, or maybe you're in one right now where you're like, Oh, I, I'm actually done with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just, sometimes you're like, where did that come from? It probably was in there the whole time. The shadow, the unconscious, the subconscious. Whatever. We have all, yeah, we have, we have all kinds of things going on in there. All kinds of truths that we can't see or hear until we can. And then when, and then when we are ready to listen or we're in enough pain or we're open enough or... <sighs> Our, uh, our fears or whatever mechanisms that we have to keep ourselves moving, to keep ourselves busy, to keep ourselves going, though those have failed us at some level. And the ache or the letdown, sometimes it's just letdown. That thing that you were like, well, this will do it for me. And then you get it, you obtain it, you win it, you accomplish it, you earn it, whatever it is. And then you're like, wait. It's like that existential thud, that elevator drop in the heart where you're like, this was supposed to deliver, and it didn't. So we're devastated. But that's actually the moment when we're like ready to listen in ways we never have before. And uh, I just distinctly remember this this profound sense of, oh yeah, whatever those things I was working on. Yeah, you did that for a while. That was great. And and now, yeah, we're not. Let's, nah, let's not do that anymore. Doesn't sound. 
it was like it was like a new connection to the heart like a renewed powerful like plugging your heart into a electrical socket in the wall like wait a second and in those days uh and I'm and I'm conflating and collapsing I'm I'm taking days and days here a couple months window here and sort of it's all a little bit loopy in my head exactly what happened when but it was like a oh no we got other things to do and i kept coming back to all these stories that i've been carrying around with me uh all these stories that i've been telling myself some of them i've written up some of them have just been i've been carrying them around in my heart uh there's like a whole bunch of plays that I, and scripts in my computer. There's a 750-page novel in in my computer. There's all these stories that have uh, I've been carrying around. Some of them in my heart. Some of them literally exist. Like I've written them up. Um, and God, there's like three, four, five plays. Script, like all these stories that have always existed on the side for me. Almost like a thing, sort of over. Uh, uh, what is the word for it? The thing that like absolutely lights me up but almost feels too good to be true, which is the first thing I would jump on with other people when like in the, in like the sessions and the two days when people would talk about something like, well, that like, yeah, that, that's well they would they would stumble into something good and then immediately be suspicious of it. Uh, because suspicion in some ways is the language of our day. If it's good, then it's too good to be true, as opposed to it's good enough to be true. And I just kept noticing how many people, if something was good, like a good next step that would light them up and fill them with like wonder and awe about their own existence, they'd immediately be like, mm, no, that's probably too good to be true, as opposed to that's just good enough to actually be true. Let's do it. So I notice once again, the shadow, the unconscious, I would see it in others so clearly and I was having one of those moments, like, let's tell these stories. Let's tell all these stories. And, and I remember thinking, yeah, but no one wants to publish my stories. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> uh, but then I thought about, uh, I wrote this novel years ago called Millones Cajones, which I've told you about. And Millones Cajones, when I... Uh, there are what, 11? Oh, wait, as of today, there are 13 books. It is by far, up until now, my favorite book. And writing it, and we published it, like I published it myself because no one was interested in a novel by me. <laughs> no one cares. I wrote it and didn't tell anybody I was writing it. It was such a like, can you even do this? Can you even? It's like I had to give myself permission. Um, and that novel, like... I may actually still be at a lot. Like, it may have cost more than, like, I don't know, a couple of you bought it. Nine of you, a couple hundred. <laughs> oh. And yet, I literally may have lost money on that book. By the way, there's tons of them in a warehouse. Are you ready for it? There's a pallet of those in a warehouse in Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> Is that perfect or what? Uh, my novel, Millones Cajones, there are some hardcover copies still available. And if that sounds like a plug, it is. <laughs> um, 
in a warehouse in Rancho Cucamonga, and it is by far the most enjoyable publishing, let's call it a publishing experience. Isn't that interesting? That you can have like a New York publisher with a publicist and a book tour and all that, which is fine, I've done that, but the thing where we just did it myself was actually the most satisfying and rewarding. And to this day, I just see that cover and I just smile like so fun, so fun. And I remember sitting there with like this gash on my rib cage in this like stillness and sort of achy quiet thinking about my life. Like, oh, the times when I did like put a story out there, make a story and put it out there like that was so, oh God, that was the best. Or one night here in, in the neighborhood, we rented a this theater for three nights and got all these actors and did these performance workshop readings of my first play. The I sat in the audience and listened to actors read my first play, What's a Naka, the best. Because it was weird, right? For me to be on stage all those years and then to not be on stage, to be in the audience listening to this story of mine being told by other people, it was like, I realize now, it was like a foreshadowing. Like, hey, you want to do this? Because it was so fun. <laughs> oh, my word. Once again, like so fun, almost, can, can you have this much fun? Um, and I, uh, I remember talking around this time to, uh, my friend Liz and she, she was going through something similar and I was like, I have all these stories I want to tell. And she said, you know what, you and I go around the world handing out permission slips, but we also to people like, yeah, go for it, do it. But we need to give ourselves permission slips on a regular basis. Like, just because you're good at giving other people permission slips doesn't mean you don't need a permission slip to just do it, to go for it, to follow it and see where it leads. And I'm telling you that conversation, Woo-wee. all these bits and pieces are just like, like lining themselves up somewhere in my heart. By the way, uh, speaking of Liz Gilbert, Liz and I are uh, doing a workshop next year at Omega Institute in June of 2023. It's called The Art of new creation. Um, and she and I were talking, when Omega talked to us about doing something, we were like, what do you want to do? And we, we both realized that we were, had been thinking a lot, a lot of the same things, like things, remember, how, like if I asked you, who were you 10 years ago? Are you the same person? You'd be like, no. How about five years ago? Mm-mm, no, I, I'm, I'm different than I was five years ago. But now doesn't, if you noticed like how many people are talking about I'm not who I was a year ago. I'm not who I was six months ago. God, I'm, I'm not who I was <laughs> nine days ago. Do you, you notice this speeding up, the, the change, the evolution, the growth, the expansion, all those words, of course, but this sense of like, what is a self? What even is the self when if you open yourself up, you can, God, the whole thing can accelerate like the freedom, the liberation, the joy, the sense that you're following something. Maybe for you, you're going back through your past and making connections and experiencing healing and integration that you're like, wow, this this was possible the whole time? Yeah, and the number of people who have told me some version of this, things that you used to go along with and be fine with, be like, yeah, I guess this is how it is, and now you're like, no way am I doing that. Um, Things with friends, neighborhood, family, 
the center of gravity of the tribe you're from where you were just like, yeah, I'm, you were you were fine with it. And now you're like, no way, mm -mm, can't do that. Like the new boundaries you have, the new sense of exploration, the sense of things that you're always like, that's really important. Now you're like, that's not important. These things over here are actually what's important. Yeah, that sense. So Liz and I were like, let's do a whole weekend on that. How, how do you keep doing what you're doing? How do you, what then is the new center? And, and how do you create your life from that? So anyway, you can uh, sign up for that. And you know, when Liz and I get together, it's, God, it's so much fun. So it's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, upstate New York, Omega Institute, all the infos at my site. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Liz and I were having this discussion. And I was like, oh, I actually just want to tell all these stories. And I was, as I sat with it, like, no one, no one wants to publish. And, and the times that I have told these stories was just, like, the best. And no one wants, yeah, no one wants to publish all these book stories of mine. So I was like, oh, then I'll, we'll just do it ourselves. So uh, these two books that came out today, they're, they're being published by Backhouse Books. <laughs> yes! Woo! <laughs> How fun is that? Uh, and now with this whole, there's this whole Amazon world where you can self-publish and you don't have to buy and store a pallet of a thousand books in a warehouse in Rancho Cucamonga, they just print it whenever somebody orders it. So uh, I was like, wait, I could just set up, we could just set up backhouse books, and then I could just put out all these stories whenever whenever they're ready. We could just do that. How? God, that, yeah, that's what I want to do. Of course, yeah. Because at some level, and once again, it's like you start to sink into it, and then you just start to find all these different dimensions to it. Because for me, for roughly, what, 30 years? And the way that I was trained is you, you, you make points. You have like insights, truths, application. You, you have, so like anything, a book, a, a tour, a, a Robcast episode, like it's got a structure to it in an order. It's point A, there's a second point B, point C, there's, it has these seven elements to it, and this follows that, and this follows that. There's, uh, I've been telling stories at some level, but, but, also, but underneath it all, a certain sort of structure of points. Like, it's not like making an argument, like a thesis, but it moves forward in a particular way, and... What I began to see is, oh, I tell people what it's about and then tell people the thing, then tell people what I just told them. But the next things that are coming out of me, it's like I just, it's time to like invite you into a world. Yeah. And not just tell you what it means. Just invite you into the world and see. See what you, what happens to you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you'll see. <laughs> yeah. So you'll see these first two plays that we're putting out today. They're like worlds. And this, uh, whew, even to say that, I have like a long exhale, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you'll see. Uh, I don't know what you'll experience. I don't know what you'll get out of it. Yeah. It's, as opposed to like, this is what I said. This is what it means. Let me explain. Give me four points. Here it is. It's, it's a whole different thing.
And it's so like whew, freeing and, and like invigorating. And uh, I don't even know what all these stories are. I'm, I'll like write the story and then I'm just following the story, what, what, like where it goes. And then later I'm like, oh, look at that. Of course, Kristen reads my stories and she's like, oh, I see what, I see where you got that bit. <laughs> because essentially the, what we're, whatever each of us are doing, we're, we're, we're working out our own healing. We're, we're making sense of where we've been, what we've been through, what's happened to us, what we've done. But it's funny because Kristen will see my stories and she's like sees right through them. She's like, oh, look what you're working out in that part. <laughs> uh, she has always been 10 steps ahead. And of course, when I started saying to her, hey, I got all these stories. I'm just, uh, how about Backhouse Books? And then I'm just going to put all these stories out for, for, for now, from now on. She's like, yeah, of course. It's like she'd already seen it a long time ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah, do that. Great. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so it got really interesting because I was like, well, what should we do first? How about these plays? So can you make a play into a book that's interesting? Can you read a play and can it be interesting? And I learned that there was actually a, there's like a stage play format when you're writing in like playwriting software, which I use, but then... Um, when people publish plays, they use a different, it's called Samuel French. It's a particular kind of formatting. So I tried doing that, but it didn't, I didn't like the way it looked. Uh, and for me, like on the page, things have to look like, like writing has to look a certain way on the page. There have to be certain spaces. There have to, it just has to look a certain way. And uh, so I was like, man, I have to like kind of invent my own format like how it looks on the page. So like with bold and italics and punctuation and all that. So uh, I, that just took a long time. Because <laughs> when you do it, there's the conventional wisdom of how it's done. And then there's something within you that's like, yeah, but how do I do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So for you, there, for you, there's whatever it is that you're up to, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, there's conventional wisdom about how that's done. It's good to know that. It's, it's important to know the rules in order to know how to break them. So that's really important. Um, but then also, after you're tuned into the conventional wisdom, you ask them the question after that, which is, so how do I do it? And how you do it will be some integration of the conventional wisdom which is important. It'll be some integration of the conventional wisdom and some new something new that you bring to it. That's, so the person who's like, I'm just doing it exactly how I do it. It doesn't look like anything else. No, you're no. Everybody's staying on the shoulders of other people. So it's always an integration of the two. The the best accumulated collective wisdom of how it has been done, duct taped together with you. Because you haven't done it before. And we haven't heard it from you, so yeah, it'll always, uh, it hasn't come through you, so when it comes through you, it'll have its own uh, feel and flavor and texture. Yeah, so uh, we came up with this format, and then I started thinking, you know, be, I love the idea somebody could sit down and just have this experience, like read a book from start to finish. It's important that it's like a thin little 70-page book because 
when you pick that book up, you're like, I could actually read this. You know that feeling when you pick up a giant thick book and you're like, oh God, look at this, the commitment. But like a thin little 70 page book, I could do this. Um, and I sent it to a couple of friends who were like, yeah, mm -hmm. I sat down, I could have like an experience, beginning, middle and end. Um, but then I was like, oh, how about people getting together with their friends like around a table and uh, at the first page is a list of the characters. So like, we'll get back to you as six characters. And then there are five main characters in what's a Nuka. And then there are like four chorus members who do all the other parts. But like, oh, I started envisioning like you, my, you Robcast friends, like sitting around a circle with your friends and everybody is a different character. And you're just reading, having this group experience for like an hour and 20 minutes where you're each one of the characters and you're reading through this story. Oh, that just makes, whew, it's like, that's what I want to do. I want to create this whole world, this backhouse books world of stories that people can like gather. Yeah, you could all get together and watch a TV show or you could sit in a circle and like each of you is a character and someone's a narrator and you have like, you're the story. Like you tell the story to each other. Oh God, how fun would that be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a bit about why today is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, part of that was, yeah, I want to tell all these stories, and then the people I meet, you all, people, people, everybody's got some thing that's like the next thing for them, some next step, some... Uh, thing sort of in the back there that's lurking like a, maybe it's an angst or a restlessness maybe it's just like a i wonder if i tried that i wonder if i so it's like i gotta i want to create a space where people can come and i've been doing this with these sessions through covid and right before covid we had tried it a couple of times where i just did 30 people in a room for two days and everybody brings whatever their question is about what they're doing in the world and then one by one, people just sit across from me and you tell me what it, what the question is and what you're doing. And I just start asking you questions and we all like see you and who you are and we watch you get unstuck. And it's, it's like, so let's like set a, a let's, let's do this like consistently create these spaces. And so uh, actually we just added new dates. So two days in Ojai, um, meet me in Ojai, which is about an hour and a half north of LA in this beautiful setting and uh, we just put up january dates february dates march dates and april dates so come spend two days with me and if you have no questions but you just want to listen to other people just absorb uh or maybe you're just in some setting where people aren't talking about the kinds of things i talk about on the robcast and you're like i just want to be in a room of people who are like singing this song just come and soak it in. I'm telling you. The first time Kristen came to one of them right before COVID, she was like, she was so struck with just listening to people talk about what they're doing was so incredibly inspiring. So if you're like, if you veer towards the cynical, you know, you're the person who's like, I don't know, the whole thing might be on fire. Spend two days uh, with me and, and these people and watch what happens. I'm telling you, when, uh, when you see what people are up to, it it's like it's like uh i know what it is it's the other news that's what i'm doing i'm just realizing that 
Yeah, because there's the news, which just basically reminds you of how things are falling apart. I'm, uh, um, I'm, these spaces, uh, which we're now doing regularly, going to be doing regularly, are the other news. And I'm telling you, when you, when you listen to person after person after person for two days in a row, tell what they're up to, and you see them, because people get, they just get right to it. We get right to it. People will, in a room full of strangers, becoming friends, will talk so openly and honestly and vulnerably vulnerably about who they are and what trips them up and what's got them stuck and what's got them frustrated like and what they're hoping for and what they're longing i mean i'm telling you it's you'll be like wow human beings yeah mm -hmm. this is the thing we got going here <laughs> or you know what maybe you have like a kid who's trying to find their way in the world send them to me i'm telling you Send them to me in Ojai for two days. <laughs> I'm telling you, send them to me. You have that kid in their 20s or whatever who's just starting out and trying to sort of think. Send them to me and have them sit in a room with people who are following their hearts and building a new world. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you have a friend who's 60 or 70 or 80 and is like, I think there's a new chapter. Send them to me. I'm telling you. That, sh that should be my new thing. Send them to me. <laughs> Oh, God, that's so good. That is so good. Just send them to me. <laughs> Have them meet me in Ojai, and let's see what happens. Uh. <laughs> uh, so when I was growing up, there was this... Uh, I played sports, and there were these soccer fields. And in the summer, it would be two days, two a days. So it would be four hours in the hot sun, <laughs> just doing just like these workouts that were just, or I ran track. So it was just, the, and the track was right around the corner from the soccer fields. And I'm not like a competitive, like I'm not sports competitive. I just don't. One time I was uh, in a, I think it was a 300 meter hurdles. And I remember running the race and thinking, what is the point of this? <laughs> and I got beaten by a couple kids who are not very fast at all. And my dad was like, afterwards was so upset. He was like, it was like, what do you do? Like, it was like you just gave up in the race and got beaten by people who are way slower than you. And now that I remember, I didn't know how to answer him, but it was cause in the race, I was like, what am I, what am I, am I gonna win? What, I don't, I don't actually really care about this. <laughs> but that, the world I came in, you compete. Like you go to practice and you, you like do it year round. I played soccer year round and I love soccer, but, and the world cup is coming. Oh God, Merry Christmas. Oh my goodness. But, uh, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I just never really fit in that world. Uh, I just, it just always, it always felt like somebody else's sweater. Um, like I was wearing someone else's, like I was, it just was never my thing. But there was up the street from those fields and that running track, there was a barn. Uh, it was a the barn theater, I think it was called, the theater barn. It was like local, you know, community theater, like local theater. There was a barn that they turned into a theater. And... I used to drive by and wonder what went on in there. 
because I knew they told stories in there. And always out front, there would be like that sign, you know, where they'd change out the letters for whatever play was happening in the barn. So I knew people were in there telling stories. But I just didn't come from a world that, that was just not the world I came from. And I realize now, man, I've had stories knocking around inside of me since way back. Characters and names and turns of phrases and backstories. And uh, there was this guy that lived down the street from us who used to stop by our house to say hi, named Dale Grettenberger. And Dale Grettenberger had a light blue Ford Econoline van, and he used to eat breakfast every morning at the same diner. And like I, I had more stories going about Dale Grettenberger and was he a secret agent? Like all, <laughs> I had a whole world built of backstory around Dale Grettenberger. Uh, I mean, I way back this, this I was all uh, man, I was all, I was endlessly, but I didn't have, I didn't come from a world where you no one said like you should write that down like you should go over to the yeah go be in a play or something I just didn't that wasn't even that didn't even occur to me really um and that's why this episode is called there was a theater in that barn is perhaps there's something perhaps look at me perhaps uh yeah at some level there are threads to our lives, and you can spot the thread way back there, who you are, where the joy is for you. Yeah. So on some level, what we're doing is we're constantly finding that thread. We're learning who, we're, learning who we're going to be, who we are, but we're learning who we've been the whole time, and we're learning how to align our lives with who we've been the whole time cuz there's some there's some thread there's some there's some you there's some essence to you who you've been the whole time and you've probably done all kinds of different things and at times you felt more like the setup of your life was more in line with that than at other times but yeah i realize like yeah at some level that's what we're doing you go back to that kid who was like, what am I doing in this running race? <laughs> but God, there's this barn around the corner where I, I think they tell stories. I don't know. It's quite mysterious and kind of fascinating, but I don't even have any, like no one around me is saying, hey, you should go investigate that. So that's, what hap- that's what's happening just years later. Yeah, you know, let's go tell those stories. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's find out what that is. Let's follow that, see where it takes us. Yeah, because that, now that, that sounds like a good time. So, uh, yeah, when you do this, it may not appear like it's much of a change on the outside. Yeah, but on inside, it feels like you've begun again. Yeah, You you may have some very small step. That you're like, it's just a whatever, fill in the blank. That's it. No one will even, no one will even think this is rem- like this isn't even that big of a deal. And yet, for some reason, something within you, deep in the center of your being, is like, no, this is a very big deal. Yeah. Sometimes all the tilts are actually inside of us. Mm-hmm. We move something that's been on the edge to the center. You move it to the center. And you don't change one thing about your external life. 
you just move something that used to use these phrases like guilty pleasure or what's the phrase I heard someone say the other day? Passion project. Oh God. Whew. Get away from that. Yeah. Don't as passion. No. What what kind of project is there? Yeah. Move that to the center. Stop marginalizing it and keeping it over in the corner. Move that right to the center. That's where the life is for you. You may keep your life exactly the way it is. We all have bills we have to pay. We have to, yeah, of course. Yeah, so you may keep the structure of your life exactly how it is, but just take the things over on the corners that are the things that light you up, that you've been a, sort of explaining away, rationalizing, apologizing for, sort of dismissing, like, that's oh, not that big of a deal. It's just thing I'm going to get. No, move that stuff to the center. Yeah, move it to the center. See what happens. Just move it to the center within you without a without changing one thing outside of you. Just move it to the center and, and see what happens. And it may seem like not that big of a deal, but just stop denying how central to it is to you, how 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 much it lights you up, how much joy it brings you. Um yeah, don't 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 dismiss that or skip over that or say something like, well, you know, but I need to be responsible. No, that's being responsible listening to the things that fill you with life. You may keep going to the same exact job. Fine, great, we have a way to pay the bills, excellent. Yeah, and then you move that thing to the center, yeah, inside you. Yeah, and see what happens, see where it leads, yeah. That's why I'm telling you, what is it, 14, 15 months after crashing and realizing, oh, I need to, I need to, there's some listening to my life that I'm being invited into right now. Yeah, so I moved a couple things into the center just, just to see what would happen. And yeah, God, it took it takes a while. Of course, it always does. Everything's at some level incremental. But look what happened. Woo! Man, we're putting out some new books today. Yeah. And all that, like, well, you're you're too old to like, no, mm -mm, none of that. No too young, you're too old, you're too, you're too, no, but you, or uh, maybe for you, you've been like, I got this thing I want to try, but you know, I'm really good at this other thing. It doesn't matter. You being good at something might be, <laughs> might actually be the problem. You're good at it, so you keep doing it when in fact there's this thing over here, which is where all the life is, or here's a double one. You might be good at it, and it actually might help people. Great, great, and yet there's this other thing over here. That's the thing that lights you up. And so the fact that you're good at it and it helps people is actually in the way. At one point, that was like the step forward developmentally. Like, wait, you mean I could do this and I, I'm good at it and it would help people? Awesome. And now it might actually be in the way of the next thing for you, which is a whole new level of listening to your heart in which you go follow this thing. Yeah, sometimes that's what happens. Aren't we fascinating how it all works? Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a theater in that barn. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was some earlier me, and you got to love all the earlier yous. There was some earlier me that was quite intrigued, but, like, never followed it. And then years later, like, wait, what is that? What was that? Let's try that. Let's see where that goes. Yeah, let's listen to that. Huh, let's give ourselves to that. Let's give that some energy and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So, I really do. You know, I don't want like, you know, like plug things. That always just feels weird. But like, I really, really do hope you read my plays. I really do. I, I, yeah. 
that brings me great joy to think that you were sitting somewhere laughing really hard or having an experience with these worlds that I'm creating. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Yep. So, my friends, yep, we get to do this. Isn't that great? Peace and love to you now more than ever.